Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always. Our guest in studio will appreciate this from his uh, old employment. Uh, you got to get that ESPN app, too, because there's a listen tab on the app. You find us, ESPN Syracuse, and you can take us with you. Wherever you go, no matter where you are, another gorgeous day in central New York. By golly, get outside, do things, but you can take us with you on the app. Just download the app, hit the Listen tab, find us, and away you go. We can go with you, and it's a beautiful thing. Waiting in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can always hit me on Twitter, where the show never stops, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media, or the On the Block text line at 288-0644. We've got plenty to cover with the NBA and NHL playoffs continuing this weekend. number of things to discuss in hot takes. Uh, I don't know if we have enough horses that were not in the derby to do my a favorite bit this time of the year, real or fake horse name. I'll have to check with Seth to see that because I don't follow horse racing and I'm very easy to fool on this. So we'll, we'll check on that. I don't even know who's running in the Preakness other than Justified, right? So there's a lot to set up for the upcoming weekend, but there's also a lot to discuss that has happened this week and – We are going to do it right off the top of the program. Let's get right into it, folks. Always a pleasure to have this gentleman on the show. Always a pleasure to have him here in studio. John Wildack, Syracuse Athletic Director, is here with us. Uh, Thank you for bearing with me through that very loud open of the show, John. That was a good intro. And the music, you know, the boss, I'll give you you A-. minus. All right. It's not the Stones, but... A minus. Yeah, on that you always part. say that. I am, you but no, you got that. you're good with it. And, we, and you know what? And for your listeners, the app, the ESPN app's unbelievable. It's fantastic. And now they got the ESPN Plus right. app that's yeah. going into it. I mean, we're, we're just shilling for Bristol all the way. This is beautiful. Well, I'm right? shilling for your show. I want your yeah, I want your baby. listeners to download it so when they're out today, they can still listen to you. See, and you know, we're going to put this up on ESPNSyracuse.com and on the ESPN iTunes feed as well. In awesome. Case people miss this, so they can listen to it. On demand. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's good to be good to be with you and uh, see where the magic is made here. Well, this is it right here. I don't know if we're letting you down or what. It's just just me in a room full of stuff and microphones (laughs) and things that once in a while I know how to work here in studios. It is good to see you. It's been obviously a very busy week for you. Started off with a bang on Monday. Due diligence is over, as we uh, mentioned (laughs) on Monday, and then you went to the ACC meetings and and just so much to dive into. It's the end of another year. 
for you coming down the stretcher. We were just talking, though, before we went on the air, like you would think, oh, it's graduation and, and things start to wind down a little bit, and perhaps they will, but there's a lot of you know, kind of I's to dot and, uh, and T's to cross and some things to take care of even here uh, as the semester winds down. Right? Yeah, I mean, in, in the world of athletics or in the sports business, or sport, it, it never slows down. There really is no offseason. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to do the next two, two and a half weeks. I'm on the road a lot, but, uh, it's all, it's all good. John, you were uh, just at the ACC meetings in Florida. Yeah. And I would imagine those were not at a red roof in. I'm sure you guys had a nice time down there. Did you sneak in some golf while you were no, there? No, we spent three and a half days in, in, in a conference right. room. There and I go. think the air conditioning was set at 50 <laughs> and I'm not kidding. It was freezing. Speaking of air conditioning, one of the great additions to the Carrier Dome. 2022, right? it'll as, be in. As we'll get into. But one of the interesting things that came out of the ACC meetings was it is the ACC that is proposing to expand the yeah. NCAA tournament. So let's start there. How did that come about? Who was kind of really behind that? And, and how did the ACC come out of that saying, we are proposing this? Yeah, it came, it came out of uh, the, the basketball coaches meeting. And the, uh, you know they met with the ADs and the commissioner and they presented their you know, their thoughts to us on a number of topics, and that was one of them. And then, uh, you know, we debated it in the room, and um, it was, you know, there's pretty clear consensus in the room is it's certainly worth exploring this, and it's really sponsoring legis- legislation to explore. And, you know, the first four has worked really, really well, and uh, it's a cool experience for the teams. Um, and to afford four more teams and, and the student-athletes the opportunity to say they played in the NCAA tournament is is worth is worth study. Did you talk to Coach Beheim about this? And I did. I, is he in favor yeah, of it? Yeah, Jim's supportive, yeah. Jim uh, would be supportive of it at one time. Jim was saying 96 teams in the tournament a few years ago. I don't know if we're going to go down that road anytime soon, but you know, it's interesting because Syracuse, <laughs> of course, was this year is the example of Absolutely. you're the last team in, and if you're in, what you can do to capitalize on that once you're in the tournament. So, pushing it to 72, and there was a couple ACC teams, notably Notre Dame and, and Louisville, that were kind of like, hey, we should have been in. So some coaches were probably feeling like, hey, maybe the, the field should be bigger here. What what kind of response has that gotten, and, and, and do you think this is going to go through? Do you think this will pass? Too early to tell whether yeah. it will go through or not. Uh, it'll be it'll be debated. Um, and the, the result is you would think it's mixed. I mean, there's some that say, oh, hey, this is good, and if you do the first four in Dayton, could you do a first four – you know, in, in a Pacific time zone site and maybe make it geographically a little bit easier. I mean, Arizona State had to, you know, go from uh, travel all the way to Dayton. So maybe there's a way if you do four, you can align things geographically a little bit more. Uh, and there's been some that have, you know, have been critical of it as well. And anytime you, you introduce uh, the discussion legislation on something new and obviously something that has the interest of the NCAA tournament, you're going to get a mixed reaction to it. Anything else that you would consider significant developments out of the meetings? Because sometimes you guys get together, discuss things, and they don't necessarily, they're not made public or they're not ready to be executed yet. It's just kind of planning stages or anything. What did you discuss that maybe we're going to see soon or or things that you consider, you know, kind of right here on the front? Well, I thought other things that the basketball coaches came out with was, you know, move the three-point line back some, some, widen the arc, um, and an offensive rebound shot clock, uh, would reset to 20 seconds okay. as opposed to 30. So I thought there's some really good ideas put forth by uh, by the basketball coaches. You know, we talked a lot about the ACC network, and ESPN was in to update us on that because we launched in August of 2019. So, you know, it seems like, okay, you got 15 months, but, you know, that'll be here before we know it. 
Um, and then it was, you know, there was talk about um, obviously the Commission on College Basketball report and the recommendations you know, that they made. Um, and we had uh, Dan Gavitt and Kevin Lennon from the NCAA were in, had a really good discussion with them. Um, so it was, it was, it was a, a hectic and busy three days. You would know as well as anybody that process about the ACC network and, yeah. and being involved in that. So uh, I would imagine when the topic of a network comes up, given your ESPN experience, everybody in the room is looking at you, right? Like, all right, let's <laughs> lean on Wildag here to kind of lead us through this discussion. So what is left? What has to be done? And, and what, what did they update you on that you can tell us about? Yeah, there, you know, there is a tendency for the eyes to kind of look towards me. And <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because obviously i got a lot of my former colleagues that are in the room and right. you know, dear friends with all of them. Um, I think the schools are putting themselves in a position where they're going to be set in in the, in position to produce events for the ACC network. We're, we already did 80 events this year, so you know we're ready, and we're I think we're advantaged because of our relationship with Newhouse, the facilities at Newhouse, and we struck a great partnership there. So I think I mean obviously I'm biased to some extent, but I think the the product that we did this year is as good as any school in the country. Um, so I'm really I'm proud of that, and that's a credit to, you know, we have students at Newhouse, undergrads that are actually, you know, they're producing games, directing games, or running camera, audio. I mean, the the hands-on experience they get is is amazing. These kids are spectacular. Um, and in terms terms of the launch, it's really all about distribution. That's the that's the name of the game uh, of uh, of any network that you're going to launch in ESPN. Actually, they're they're responsible for the dist- their affiliate sales and marketing team. They're responsible for the distribution of all Disney networks. Um, so ACC Network will certainly be a part of that. They've already done a deal with Altice, which is the former Cablevision down in Long Island in Southern Connecticut for carriage of the ACC Network. That was that was really important because that kind of sets the tone and the template a little bit for future deals. And it's interesting because Cablevision now Altice uh, they've not carried the SEC Network. Um, so we saw that as a good sign. There's also some digital uh, providers who will launch the network, but it's ESPN's going to have to negotiate with Directv, with Dish, with Comcast, with Spectrum. So they've got they've got a lot on their plate over the next 15 months. I think it's interesting because when they announced the network, and, and then it was three years away, and you say to yourself, "Man, the media landscape changes so quickly. What's it going to be like right. in 2019 when this thing launches?" So. It's still important to have that that kind of home base of television, but you brought up digital and ESPN Plus and all these other options here. We've had these conversations about, you know, fans getting used to, all right, it's nice when it's on in ESPN or in ESPN2, but you have an option. And kind of training a fan base to know that if it's not on this linear channel, it's it's somewhere. Right. The game's always going to be somewhere, and that ACC Network app, app pardon me, is, is a good example. Yeah, it's a, it's a great example. People and it, are still getting used to it, though, right? Kind of figuring out how to are, use it. And, yeah. if, you, if you look at streaming numbers, um, streaming numbers continue to grow incrementally and grow and grow far faster than linear numbers. So people are, people are adopting to it. And you stream it off the ESPN app, and you put it on your iPad, and the quality is, you know, the quality is tremendous. So... I think yeah, I think people have have adapted, and it's always technology always drives things, drives things, and then consumers adapt to it. Um, but I think people are now they're comfortable with it. John Wildhack is our guest here in studio, Syracuse athletic director, of course. Monday, the big announcement, <laughs> the now I say the Carrier Dome announcement and the renovations, but it was interesting, John, because there it didn't seem like the words Carrier or Dome were used. 
a lot in there. Was that intentional? Was that just kind of enhancing the new things that are coming here? Or, you know, why did we seem to kind of leave out a reference to the, the name of the building? Well, right? I think, I mean, you know, our, our fans, and, and I think, you know, as a fan, I mean, you, you always refer to yeah, the Dome, right? Are you going to the Dome tonight? And I think what we really wanted to focus on and what we're trying to do is create a new stadium experience or arena experience or whatever you call it. But the key was we that the whole objective of this was to create a better experience for our fans. And it's kind of a top-down approach. And the first key decision, which is going to drive everything, all right, what what kind of a roof we're going to put on the building? And and once we did that with the, with the permanent roof, which has I mean, permanent has about a 40-year shelf life, is that it made sense to do a top-down? When you do the roof, that's when you do your sound system. And I think that I think that may be rated to some extent. I mean, you get a great state-of-the-art sound system in a building. It it's a that is a game changer. Lighting, you know, where you can do LED lighting, we can be much more creative with our introductions and things of that nature. And not only for athletic events, but also, you know, whether it's concerts, whether it's you know, monster trucks, who's ever in there, Wi-Fi, uh, which is I mean, I've received a lot of feedback on that, um, and that's really important to our students who attend games and our younger demographics. Um, and then the, the uh, you know the center hung scoreboard, I think has the the potential. I think it'll be a wow factor for our fans, and that'll be on a track. So for basketball, we can move that over the center of the basketball court. So it was kind of, it's kind of a top down approach. Then we're doing accessibility upgrades, and then we've got more. Coming in 2020, fall 2022 as well. Yeah, the artist rendering we saw, it almost looked like there was kind of a roller coaster track on top yeah. of the dome, and that's to support the scoreboard. You brought up something there about the scoreboard. So this can move. Yes, like, yes. We're talking like a, how far can it move? End zone to end zone? Can you move it up and down? Like what What are, what are the parameters? Because one thing I thought of, and it's a simple thing, but it just pops in your head. What if you got to punt the football? Is it like out of range? Yeah, of we'll make sure, we'll make sure it's high enough so it's yeah. out of range. And it's it's funny because uh, in in Dallas when they open their stadium, I mean, it, you know, pregame you would see punters purposely trying to see if they could hit the scoreboard. <laughs> um, and Jerry and his family they were telling me about it. So yeah, you know, we'll do it. So it's it's yeah, you know, it's not going to be uh, in range of of kicks. But the key what we've talked about is be able to move it from the center of the football across field to the middle center of the basketball court and then you know and that's just you know that's going to complement our other digital assets and video boards we have as well so i think the combination of all these is is a really significant first step um in creating a new stadium experience and then the second phase will be done in 2022 and obviously the lead there is air conditioning and new and improved restrooms uh and concessions and then beyond that there's clearly you know the the uh you know, there's the goal. There's the goal of doing more, and we've got a menu of things that uh, you know that we've identified that you know that we'd like to do down the road. You brought up uh, the roof and how it's it, it's a fixed roof, mm-hmm. and you know certainly it's going to be curious. And we're all curious to see what how it's going to look because this is the most significant building in the skyline of Syracuse, New York. How sensitive are you to people that have said? Hey, we've got to keep that look of the carrier dome, no matter what the building is going forward. If it's a dome or not, technically, like you said, people are going to refer to it as the dome. Was that even discussed? Like, how is this thing going to look relative to how it is now? Yeah, I think is aesthetics. We want it to be. Yeah, you know, we want it to be. It is. It is to your point. It is the kind of the landmark building in town, right? So, not that it has to be consistent with the current look, but it's got to. You know, it, it's got to look. It's got to look great, and it's something that we'll stress to uh, to the engineers and the architects that 
you know, we want something which is you know going to stand out and and uh, and make us all proud. Is there an opportunity there? Is Carrier still involved in this? Are you maybe talking to them about the naming rights thing? Where are we where do we stand on that? That's totally independent from what we announced on on Monday. And to be perfectly honest with you, Brent, I haven't really spent one second thinking about that. I mean, this is you know, all our time has been focused on to what we ultimately announced on Monday um, for 2020 and 2022. There's a lot that that's happening in this now, and you brought up a lot of the things that. You know, people have asked for it. You brought the Wi-Fi with the students, the air conditioning, the enhanced things that are going on. People tend to focus sometimes on, okay, why didn't they get to this? So I just right. wanted to circle back with you. One thing the fans have asked for is seating yes. and, and when seating will be involved. Now, that's not going to happen in phase one. So looking at 2022 and beyond, what are the, the plans to take a step back now? There's, there's a lot happening here, so I don't right. want to put too much on your plate. But you, fans have certainly expressed to you, like, hey, what about those seats? So what's the next step there in terms of, okay, we hear you. This is what it's going to take for it to, to actually become a process. Yeah, among, among the menu of items that we want to do beyond 2022 is, is seating is, you know, seating's right there. You know, it's, it'll, be, uh, you know, it'll be at or near the top of the list of things we want to do. And it's interesting because you got to look at it because you can do some things which work real well for football that may not work as well for basketball and vice versa. So that's a little bit of the challenge because, again, it is the most unique building. Um, you know, and the other is, is, and I know the, you know, the benches are not the most comfortable th- seating in the world. I, you know, <laughs> believe me, and I've heard that. You said And I've experienced yeah, it. Exactly. I've had season yeah. tickets, and you know, I, still, I still went still cheered. But um, there's really not one football stadium, college football stadium in the country, you know, that doesn't have you know, a significant amount of bench, bench seating. And you have a unique situation, of course, because it's a football and a basketball facility. So would those seats work for football and, exactly. and vice versa? So that's something that you've got to look at there. Staying on, on the seating discussion, mm-hmm. I was curious because you hear so much these days about, you know, however you want to put it, premium seating, luxury suites, corporate seats. There's a lot of different ways to phrase this. It didn't seem like that became was a priority, at least in this phase. Right. How come it didn't make it around this time, and, and what are the plans to maybe address that going down the road? Again, I think one thing it's in the menu. It's on the menu is to refresh the suites um, and look. Can we create more, you know, premium seating areas? If we do that, all right. How's that impact overall capacity? So there's a there's a lot there's a lot that goes in uh, to making a decision like that. And again, we want to do this this time. It made the more most sense to do kind of a top down type thing. Is is it's you know it's it's most logical and efficient. When you're doing the roof, that's when you do your sound. That's when you do your scoreboard. That's when you do your lighting. That's when you put in your Wi-Fi points. So, you know, we wanted to look at it from a practical perspective. Do you mind sticking around for another segment? Can I? Can I'd I be more than over? happy to. Excellent. So we're going to uh, bring John Wildhack back here for another segment. Much more to come on the Dome. A few other things that we want to talk about with the Syracuse Athletic Director. Some great news on the APR front. One of the most accomplished athletes in the history of Syracuse University. Mm-hmm. Just continues to add yeah. on uh, to that, and he's got an opportunity to do more of that. You brought up the Rice Commission and some other things, kind of those big-ticket uh, topics that are going on in college sports that we would like to uh, ask you about as well. So John Wildhack's going to come back with us. You're welcome to chime in, by the way. 437-7644 is the phone number. We'll take a break, come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Uh, pleasure to have Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack hanging with us here in studio. Uh, this is Kiss is our bump, by the way. Where, where do they fit in the uh, the Wildhack music? Not, they're not. They're library. not in the top tier. But okay. my good friend John Gruden loves Kiss. 
So big kiss. Guy. Acceptable. How about that first Monday night game, by the way? Gruden, That's pretty cool. Rams, Raiders, yeah. whole new Monday night crew as well. Uh, Joe Tessitore and Booger yeah. in the crew. And uh, they, they get John Gruden and, and the Rams, Raiders first Abs- game. Absolutely. That'll, that'll be big a lot of fun. There. And uh, John, John's a really, we became really close friends. We still are. And, uh, you know, now I'm a Raider fan as well, as, as well as being a Bills fan, a Patriots fan, and a, <laughs> and a Jaguars fan for Coach Coughlin and Coach Marone. There you go. And I saw Doug Marone's going to be coming back to town yeah. for a clear path yeah, for which veterans is great. as well, which is great. Always good to hear that. Uh, so we left off a little bit with, with more on the Carrier Dome, John. Just to circle back for those that aren't familiar, so that $118 million, mm-hmm. can you detail for people where that's coming from and, and what where the investment is? Yeah, it's basically it's going to be through uh, philanthropy, uh, university reserves and you know long-term financing uh, that the university secures. So you know it's, it's all you know the university is the one who's taking the responsibility. So and there's no state money involved at no, least at this. Point. Not not in this hundred not in the hundred eighteen million. No. Do you always leave the uh, the door open for that for the future? Maybe. Yeah, I think down the road there could be opportunities for you know for third parties to to be involved in some capacity. John, uh, big news it nationally in sports, and I'm I'm very curious to see how it's going to affect a lot of things. And that is the the Supreme Court ruling right. about sports gambling, and now it comes down to, you know, states, and states get to decide how this goes. So I know you mo- you guys are going to monitor this and see how it goes. How do you think this will impact how universities treat this? Because I mean, you have relationships with casinos now, Turning Stone, for example, and, and things like that, but. It, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch, in the very least, how this will affect how major Power Five schools like yourself will, will go forward. With it, it will, and and I think we'll do a couple things. A is we already do it, but we'll intensify our education with our student athletes on this. Um, that's that's really really important for every school to do that and every league to do that uh, with their players. Um, I think it's you know how it impacts. It's too early to tell. The NCAA put out a statement that they they. Their request is for this to be legislated at the federal level, and that mirrors what the pro leagues are doing as well. Um, at the heart of this is we've got to make sure that the integrity of the event, and it doesn't matter whether it's a college event, an NBA game, a NFL game, or whatever, that that's not compromised. It's been interesting to see, and you were on the other side of this discussion for a while. You were involved with NBA discussions, sure. for example, when you were at ESPN. Adam Silver has been very progressive about this, very upfront. This is a reality. We should embrace this. We should make it a part of our business model. Other leagues are slower to come around on this, but the reality of it is, I mean, it's out there. I mean, it's out there now. Fantasy football and and those, you know, DraftKings and, and, and websites of that sort. I mean, that's gambling in a sense. So it's almost like we're just coming down the road a little bit further of of normalizing it, I guess, for better, for lack of a better term, for those that, you know, don't do it. I don't know how many people are going to run out and do it now that it's it could be legal. But to me, it's it's a convenience thing. If it's right in front of me and I'm able to do it, it's easier to do as opposed to you know how difficult it is to do now. It's, yeah, it's, and I think, yeah. I mean, anybody would be incredibly naive if they didn't think there was you know gambling going on and on college events. And I'm other shocked events. to find gambling's going right. on. Here, <laughs> so, and, yes. and you're right. Adam's taking the lead on this. Adam Silver and other leagues have followed suit. MLB's been pretty aggressive as well. The NFL is kind of a different tack is what they want to do is, you know, they want to license their data um, and their official data. And that's, you know, that's where they see their revenue stream. So it'll be really interesting to see how this uh, how this plays out. You brought up the Rice Commission as well. Yeah. Uh, talked about at the ACC meetings. What was kind of the response to that? And, and how does that review process go? And, and when do you think we'll see some of these things implemented and, and 
you know, what was your reaction to it? How, how did you feel that the commission uh, re- responded? Oh, I wasn't all that surprised uh, by the recommendations. And I think I think the recommendations, uh, you know, I think they I, I think they make sense. There's, there's a common sense approach, I think, to things that uh, that they recommended. And I think you'll see not for this upcoming season, but for the following season, 2019-20, I think you'll see some things enacted uh, because the commission kind of put the NCAA on notice. And uh, I don't think Dr. Rice is, is going to spend the, the vote the time that she did and just she and her commission just kind of fade into the sunset. So I think it, uh, you know, I think it puts, it, it clearly puts the onus on the NCA to take their recommendations down. All right. How would we, if we enact these, how would we, what's the process of doing so? What's the legislation, et cetera? What's the practical impact? To go through some of uh, uh, the sports that just completed, namely lacrosse, we, we've had a lot of discussions even here on, on this show about, okay, Syracuse lacrosse and how you make that adjustment in the modern era. I mean, this is not the time, not to date you, John, but when you went to school and, <laughs> you know, you go back to that Syracuse was a dynasty for a right. long time and a Final Four, that wasn't even a thought. That was like, you know you were going to get it. You could set your watch by it. Well, things evolve. The game changes. We all know that. So my question is, because I've had people ask me this, and I said, you know what? I'm going to ask John this. What is the the barometer for Syracuse lacrosse these days? What is the, the kind of the expectation that you set, that John Desco sets from the top down about what the program should be in 2018? Yeah, I think num- number one is is we want to be one of the we want to be one of the elite programs in the country. You're right. Even in the last ten years, the game has changed remarkably. I mean, it's just the the explosive growth in participation across the country. So the game is totally different than 10 years ago, different in terms of participation and where you recruit. You know, it used to be this area, Long Island, and the Baltimore area was probably 90% of your players, right? Now it's, you know, it's literally it's coast to coast. I think what we want to do is we want to be among the elite nationally. Uh, the ACC, we think, is the toughest conference in the country. We want to win that. Um, we went 4-0. We went undefeated in conference play again for the second consecutive year. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the objective is is get in the tournament. And once you're in the tournament, go as, go as far as you can. And, uh, you know, we're all disappointed that, uh, you know, that we didn't uh, get past the first round. Nobody's more disappointed than, than Coach Desco and all of us in terms of, you know, it's been a while since we've been to the Final Four. We were really young this year. We played, you know, 10 true freshmen. Got a lot of good players coming back, good recruiting class. So I think I think our future is good, but it's it's the competition and this the parity, the competition in the sport is is night and day compared to what it was. You have uh, an athlete at Syracuse who's just shattering all kinds of records. He's one of the most accomplished athletes in the history of the school, and I don't hesitate yeah. to say that in Justin Knight. Just it, it's been amazing to see what he has accomplished. He's got a little bit left to go here, and you know we could see him. Uh, in 2020 at the Olympics. I mean, that's how good he is. Yeah, no no question. And he is, you're right, he's one of the most accomplished athletes in our history. Um, and he's, he, it's now 11 ACC individual championships Incredible. he's won. I mean, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. And, you know, he's, he's going to go for you know, more NCAA individual titles in the outdoor. And you're right, I mean, Team Canada in 2020, he clearly, he clearly is positioned to run for Team for Canada in 2020. And besides, you know, besides his accomplishments, he graduated, uh, which is awesome from the Falk School. And I've said this I, probably on the show before, but of the 20,000 kids that are on that camp, he might be the nicest kid. He is so <laughs> he humble. Really is. He's so yeah. genuine. Um, you know, he's so proud to represent the university, our community. 
he's um he's you know when you're with somebody like that that's why you get up and you go to work every day and you work really really hard you put football on the brain today we heard three uh, times yes. for the upcoming yeah. season so the home opener against Wagner is going to kick off at 3:30 right florida state which is an early acc game and good to get the seminoles a nice early test there, that's going to be a noon kickoff, and the Friday night game against Louisville in November, that's going to be a 7 o'clock game. Both Florida State and Louisville guaranteed some sort of national coverage, by the way, either ESPN, ESPN2, or ABC. Correct. So we've got football on the brain here, and you know, before you know it, that season will be here. What's your thought process going into year three? What's the expectation from you? Yeah, I thought we had, I thought we had a really good spring, um, and in talking to Coach Babers and, and other staff members, Real good offseason, strength and conditioning program. Um, you know, both lines, offensive and defensive line, you know, got bigger, got stronger. So the, the kids have really bought in to, uh, to the culture, to the program. And, you know, I, I answer it real simple is you're guaranteed to play 12. Well, you know what? Play those well enough so you get a 13th. And if you play those 12 really, really good and you play that 13th, you win that, then you play more. So, it's, uh, you know, you start with that. Let's make sure we play a 13th and then to compete, you know, really compete in our division. Because if we compete and we're in the upper echelon of our division, we'll be prominent nationally. John, and that's a, you know, it's a tall order with Clemson and Florida State there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the schedule that we brought up, some other games there. And, you know, you come off consecutive four and eight seasons. So pe- people are hungry to see that, uh, that right. 13th game and that opportunity. And I think the one thing, too, Brent, is I think we'll see our depth will be better this mm-hmm. year. And it's something that Dino talks about a lot. And it's one thing I've learned in, in two years of this and observing ACC play is is the teams who, who win, they've got great depth. And we're starting to get there. We're not where we need to be yet, but we've we've made significant strides there. It'll be here before you know it. Yeah, it will. It will. But in the meantime, uh, thank you for all your uh, time coming on this show during the My season. Pleasure. I know we'll catch up a little bit here sure. as things go along, but summertime comes and, you know, if things kind of drift off for a while, but, uh, you know, we'll be talking about football training camp here before you know it. So thank you for your time today, and thank you for coming on with us uh, throughout the season. And uh, enjoy everything going on. As you said, there's truly not an off season, but try to relax a little bit, okay? You guys have been pretty busy. Over well, well, we'll get a little golf in there, Brett, there but thanks. Go. Pleasure pleasure to be with you, as always. Very exciting stuff to come, so uh, you know you're welcome anytime. Thanks. To drop in and talk about it. That's John Wildhack, ladies and gentlemen. He's the athletic director at Syracuse University. You knew that, of course. We'll take a break. Come back after this. You're on the block.